Good evening from Plunkett Studios. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 488 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for December 17th, 2017. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple invests in lasers, Mozilla alarms its users, and Disney owns your TV dial. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, our homes on Livestream or Stitcher, any of our Livestream platforms, uh, Livestream.com, Mixer, Periscope, or Twitch, or of course on our apps, PlugHitsLive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. This here is F5 Live, refreshing technology, the flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night-ish at about 9 p.m. Eastern for about an hour. Uh, We'll discuss the tech news of the week. Um, There are a couple of ways that you can join us. The first is live on Sunday nights by going to f5live.tv slash join us. From there, you can chat with us in the studio live as we discuss our topics. Avram and I love to hear what you have to say about our topics, especially during the Pilch Point, which uh, will be on in just a little bit, where Avram will be talking about uh, net neutrality and uh, what may or may not have gone down this week. Um, and we definitely want your input. So if you're watching live at 5live.tv slash join us, definitely give us your input as we talk. Um, If you can't join us live, that is okay. You can also go to pluckitslive.com slash subscribe, and from there, you can see both of these shows and all of our other series, including special events, which is where you will find all of our CES content in just a frighteningly small number of weeks, (laughs) and uh, all of our other series as well. Um, It's important for us to note that uh, the next two weeks our uh, holidays um, on Sunday. So with that, uh, next week, our intention is to have uh, the show on the 22nd, which is Friday. Uh, we'll get you an exact time on when we'll be on. And uh, if the 22nd doesn't work out for us in case something goes wrong, the 26th uh, is our other option. So uh, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever, uh, to find out what the final decision is on that and when we go live. And with that, Avram, how have you been this week? Not bad. Not bad. Just a uh, lot of stuff uh, going on at work. And then I got to take Friday off so uh, so I could go first thing in the morning to go watch the new Star Wars movie. And uh <laughs> And that was uh, that was that was pretty cool, and you know, got to spend a three day weekend with my family, which is which is always fun. So, uh, you know, uh, things are starting to slow down a bit as we get toward the end of the year, not sure. getting in as many new products uh, because you know it's people are going on vacation. We're waiting for CES to start seeing a new raft of of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I actually. Interestingly enough, I just got a new product this week for review. Uh, it's a game called uh, Drop Mix. We have not yet published our review, but if you're watching the show, uh, it's going to get a very high score. 
and it's drop a, mix how does it work it is a music game from uh a combination of hasbro and harmonics so if you're a music game fan uh you know harmonics they're responsible for the west knowing what music games are um so it's it's played with uh almost like trading cards that have nfc chips in them and uh depending on the game mode the the one that we had the most fun with was freestyle party the the middle one where the whole team everybody who's playing plays as a team and the game tells you to do things place a red card or um you know any card that's a certain level or whatever and you have to play them in the right places and there's there's a number of rules and as you're playing these cards there's like carly ray jepsum call me maybe and but it's just the lyrics and it's a yellow card so if you play that her lyrics come on in the music mix so you're you're basically mixing a song live with these little nfc powered uh cards it is so much fun it's a little hard to describe. They've got some videos on how the game is played on their website. Um, but wow, was it a lot of fun. We, uh, we played it at a party last night, myself and Danielle and Michelle and my brother. And uh, there were a number of us who were all playing. It is so much fun. If you know somebody who likes board games, uh, Drop Mix is going to get a very high score from us when we publish it. Uh, order it for them it'll make a great gift <laughs> wow that sounds very cool yeah i i haven't had this much fun with a new not quite video game in a very long time and it's totally unique i haven't encountered anything quite like it so good job hasbro and harmonics it's it's a great game so that just throwing that out there you <laughs> Because for, for me to get a, a brand new product this late in the year, like you said, it things are starting to slow down. Except these guys who just, who just sent this thing. So, anyway, um, I guess that's, that's probably good for that. How about we get down to some news, Abram? Yes, definitely. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. All kinds of deals for last-minute shopping right now. An Xbox One for a one in a nine plus an extra free game, or you can save up to four hundred dollars on uh, Windows Mixed Reality bundles, or you can save a bunch of money on uh, laptops from a variety of manufacturers, including HP and Dell, and of course Microsoft. And of course, uh, all of the all of the other stuff that is Microsoft is available as well. Whether you're looking for the Harman Kardon Invoke, which I also just got one of for review, um, if it's powered by Cortana, which is a really cool speaker, um, even without Cortana, the speaker's sound quality is great. Or you're looking for apps for your Windows 10 laptop, desktop, tablet, or you're looking for games for your PC or your Xbox. The Microsoft Store has it all, and you can find it by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, to switch gears a little bit, <laughs> from Microsoft to Apple. 
Um, we know that uh, as far as manufacturing is concerned, Apple has had a little bit of problem this year. Um, the the iPhone X had uh, and still has uh, li- uh, inventory limitations because of uh, a couple of very specific sensors that are inside that the manufacturers aren't able to produce as quickly as Apple needs. We know that uh, Apple's HomePod has been delayed possibly because of a focus on getting the new iPhones out. There's a number of things going on inside of Apple that are unusual for the company. Uh, So normally what we see when Apple stumbles across a problem that is uh, unusual for them is they find a solution and buy it. This week, however, (laughs) they took a slightly different path. And instead of buying the solution to the problem, they invested a large amount of money to help the company uh, increase their capabilities. The company in question is the manufacturer of the uh, laser technology that makes the the face ID sensor work on, on the new iPhone, uh, which if you're not familiar with it is very similar in the way it works to uh, Microsoft's Kinect, except it's laser instead of uh, infrared, but generally the technology is very similar. Uh, the company is Finisar. They are they have uh, a production plant in uh, a city in Texas with an A. I don't remember what it is. Doesn't matter. Um, and so what Apple did was they invested almost four hundred million dollars in the company so that they can revitalize a production another production plant in Texas in a city called Sherman that uh, closed in twenty twelve. The new 700,000 square foot production facility will uh, create at least 500 high skill jobs and uh, bring several million dollars a year in uh, payroll into the city. In fact, a total of, I think, $64 million uh, in payroll just between the $65 million in payroll between the Allen, Texas and the Sherman, Texas. production facilities and all of the V cell, which is the, the laser technology is going to come, is going to come uh, from this company uh, from Texas. And it's part of like Apple's commitment to addressing the issue uh, that they've been kind of under fire for, for producing everything in, in China. And they've been slowly trying to bring some production back to the U S and so investing Four hundred million dollars in Texas is uh, is definitely a good start. What do you think? Yeah, I mean that's that definitely uh, sends a good message. But uh, you know, obviously, uh, Apple, the majority of Apple stuff is still made in, in Chinese factories. Absolutely, and it's unlikely that we'll see a big swing in a short time. But you know, everybody from workers unions to the president has has uh, slammed them for producing everything overseas and they've they've been they've brought a couple of things uh Macs are at least assembled in a plant I think also in Texas now and uh now we've got the laser technology being manufactured here and not by them by partners um so you know maybe we'll start seeing some of their stuff uh 
come back in a way of addressing this. But more importantly, uh, this is important for them because once this is done, they shouldn't have any more production delays on the technology because their partner should be able to produce all of the sensors they actually need. Which which I is is important. If you ordered if you ordered uh a pre ordered an iPhone X on the initial pre order day, but like after ten AM Eastern time, you probably got your phone this week. <laughs> like Yeah. They've been that delayed on production. So you were, you were, I think, uh, questioning why would they invest in this such a company and not buy the company? No. Is that? No, nope. I'm actually glad that they didn't just outright buy the company. That... Yeah, I don't think that they would want to because a lot of tech companies do not want to be a, a manufacturer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not at all surprised that their their behavior tends has, at least in the past, tended to be when they needed a solution to a problem, they bought the solution to the problem. But I actually like this behavior better because it means that uh, the company can develop unique things without the the restrictions of what a- just what Apple needs. You know, when they uh, when they decided to put the fingerprint scanner in the the Touch ID, right? Uh, they bought yeah. the company that produced it and then canceled all of Motorola's orders which was such like a jerk move. But in this case, you've got the company can continue to, to innovate with Apple as a partner, but can, can work on whatever cool things internally. They're not limited to just working on this laser tech. They can work on what other, whatever other cool stuff, you know, factors into their, into their business model, into their, their wheelhouse, which I really like. So um, we don't know exactly how long it'll take for this plant to be up and running. Obviously, it won't be tomorrow. So obviously, iPhone availability is not going to change overnight. Uh, the The place has been closed and abandoned for five years. So uh, just based on what you see when a building is abandoned for six months and how weird the place gets and how weird it smells inside... Uh, Obviously, it's going to take a little time to get this place up and running, but I really, it does mean that Face ID is going to be like a thing that they're going to focus on, which is good. They're committed to it. Uh, Having used, having used, you know, iris scanners and whatever on a number of devices, uh, my three primary devices right now, one Windows, one Apple, one uh, Samsung, all, all have it. The, the speed at which it, it responds is impressive for sure. Um, I don't know how accurate it is, but it certainly responds fast, uh, which, which I like. I think it responds faster than the other two. And coming from somebody who is a, a windows person, I got to give it to Apple. The, the thing definitely responds faster than windows or Google. So good on them. So I'm, I'm glad they're committed to it. In a big way, four hundred million dollars, uh, and this comes out of the this comes out of the investment fund that they set up in May. Uh, that they also put money into uh, Corning earlier in the year for Gorilla Glass. Again, not buying the company, not wanting to get into that nonsense, but 
uh, instead investing some of their own money into the company to make it better. So I like it. I think it's a good move. And in totally unrelated news, they also uh, bought uh, Shazam this week, which I, I, I don't. Yes, I don't know what good that is going to do, but, <laughs> you know, I guess the question is, doesn't Siri already do that? Right. I, so I don't know. I is Shazam so. provide the tech? Like, I that think what's be. not known is is that sh- who, whether that was Apple's own uh, brew or whether they were licensing that technology from somebody else like Shazam. Yeah, that may, um, if if they're licensing it or you know acting through an API, it would totally make sense, especially now that Microsoft is shutting down Groove, which I imagine was the powerhouse behind. Cortana's ability to identify songs because that's where they kept their songs. Maybe Microsoft is out searching for a new source and buying Shazam removed a possibility. Who knows? But it's that was definitely a strange acquisition, but but definitely takes us back to when (laughs) when Apple needs a solution to a problem, they tend to buy it. Enter Shazam. So we don't necessarily know what the problem is that they're trying to solve here, but obviously they had a problem they were trying to solve, and so they bought the solution, which means that it's theirs. Nobody else is going to access it, which could be a problem for anybody who may be using APIs or anything. I don't know. But anyway, um, it'll be interesting to see where both of these go and... Uh, what Apple does with Shazam, considering a lot of their business tends to involve um, not music stuff right now. So it'll be interesting. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, which I absolutely adore. Available in on-ear, over-ear, and in-ear styles as well. But they've got a whole line of headphones, depending on what exactly it is you're looking for. Whether it be small Bluetooth in-ears, or big studio headphones like what I'm wearing, or you're looking for a Bluetooth speaker from the tiny hotshot to the giant monster blaster, or of course, any of the cables and power needed to connect these and all of your other devices, like computers and home entertainment systems, are all available by going to pluggedslive.com slash monster. That music means that it is time for the Bilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, it has been a big week for the internet. Yes, it has. So uh, I wanted to talk uh, briefly or in our segment here about uh, the net neutrality decision that happened this week and what it might uh, might mean to, to everybody out there listening. So... Uh, even so, net so this week, what happened is the FCC, which has five commissioners, um, the uh, 
had a had a vote, and three of three to two, they uh, repealed the uh, 2015 FCC regulation, which made uh, which designated internet service providers as what's called a common carrier. Uh, common carrier is a term that that actually goes all the way back to 1934. It refers. To, it originally re- was meant, meant to refer to the phone company, uh, so that the phone company could not discriminate against phone calls coming from another phone company. You know, like you're in New York and I want to call you from from Florida, and the Florida one has is not the same phone company as New York. Well, they have to accept the phone calls. Well, you know that seems crazy. The thought that somebody that 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 your phone wouldn't work that way, but there was government regulation to to make sure that that you you couldn't have say uh, you know local Ma Bell refusing calls for Pacific Bell or something like that. Well, the the point of net neutrality is the same thing. You 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 know it's to prevent your internet service provider from say, from being able to say you know what uh, I don't want you to view these websites because they're not paying me. Or I want to make these websites faster, so I'll still serve you these other websites or these other web services that you want, but I'll serve them so slow that you won't want to visit them. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of implications for this. And while the regulation, specific regulation they appealed has only been in place since 2015, uh, the principle of net neutrality and the regulation of net neutrality to make sure that like things remained that ISPs could not control what you see and hear, uh, see here and, and read on the internet, uh, has been going on as long as there's been an internet. So, uh, the so what could happen here is, and would now be legal, is that your service provider could say, "Hey, you know what? I don't like you want to search on Google, but I have a relationship with Bing." So you can no longer search, search Google if you have, if you have our, uh, you know, if you have our package. Hey, you know, I I see that you know there's a political candidate who I like as, you know, Comcast or Verizon or whoever because they're they're doing me a solid. I'm going to cut off uh, access to the opposing candidate's website, or I mean that's how bad it could get. It it could really get to the point where they're censoring. Uh, voices uh, or publications that are saying things that you know the ISP doesn't want you want you to hear or or, or see or read, and it, it could extend to political speech. It could extend to just competitive speech. It could be you know Comcast owns NBC. Maybe uh, maybe if you're on Comcast, you're no longer able to view the Fox website or the ABC website, or maybe they just come in slow and you can't stream from them. Uh, you know, obviously the big one that people talk about is Netflix because, you know, obviously Netflix, a lot of people have it and cable companies that provide internet such as, as Comcast and Optimum and all that. They don't want people becoming cord cutters. So, you know, might they, you know, might they try to, uh, you know, just slow Netflix down to the point where you can no longer stream it? Could happen. Or conversely, they could they could also charge you more and say, oh, if you want Netflix to come at a reasonable speed, now you got to pay. But uh, I think the bigger danger is not about the consumer paying, which could happen, 
but about the the provider paying because then you're coming into a situation where small businesses startups are not going to be able to compete the next google will not will not happen the next netflix will not happen the current netflix will be able to pay whatever you know toll toll or kickback uh, the isps ask for you may end up seeing it in your bill eventually but you know the companies that are large players today will will be just fine. You know they'll they may cost them some money. They'll be just fine. Who won't be fine are small and medium sized companies that are trying struggling to succeed, trying to get off the ground. Uh, and part of it may be that they may have to make strategic decisions, like hey, let's say I'm running the Seattle uh, newspaper in Seattle, and I have to pay the ISP for my website to be seen. Am I going to pay an ISP in New York for my website to be seen when I'm a Seattle newspaper? Probably not. So if you're here in New York and you want to read the Seattle newspaper, oops, sorry, you're out of luck. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I, I think there's some, some real serious dangers here. Now, there are a number of lawsuits being filed and uh, people who are, and of course, the FCC's uh, point of view or the three members of the FCC's point of view is that they don't want the government uh, imposing restrictions regulating ISPs. Uh, they feel that ISPs will be ha have more freedom to innovate if they don't have to, if they can decide, uh, you know, what traffic they're going to carry. Uh, however, uh, you know, we haven't really had a problem with a lack of ISP innovation, you know, uh, the, the home internet speeds are plenty fast for people who have broadband. The real biggest problem that we have with ISPs is lack of competition. So you might think, oh yeah, don't worry, if my ISP blocks, you know, blocks Yahoo Mail and I want my Yahoo Mail, I'll just switch. Really? Because most people have one or maybe two choices, you know. That's like saying there's so much competition in the airline industry that no one would possibly charge baggage fees. Where do you go if you don't want baggage fees now? One doesn't, and then the others follow. So, uh, so you, it is a very South, distressing situation. You go to Southwest. Yeah, so there's one, right? <laughs> but you can't take Southwest everywhere. Right. You know, right. There, so there's one who's willing to buck the trend. And so, yes, I, I, I imagine that if there was a website, a, a ISP that started blocking, uh, you know, major websites that people wanted to visit and there was a competitor, the competitor said, we don't block them, that might gain them a few points. But that's only if the only where those two, two ISPs are covering the same thing. You know, it's to, to be an ISP to people's home, to provide home internet, you need infrastructure. And you're not going to get a lot of infrastructure. So... You know, here, uh, here where I live, I actually have a choice of two ISPs, which is about as much as any other country may have. I have a cable provider that I can use, and I have Verizon Fios. Those are the two. So, other than that, I ha you know, if I if both of those two were doing things that I did not like, blocking stuff I did not wanted to see, I would be out of luck. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, those may be tough choices. You know, I think you take the same thing with your cable package, right? So, like, there's some cable channels that I would like to, you know, that my wife would like to see. Uh, but, and we, you know, but they're not in our cable package. 
you know, we could switch cable companies to get one or two channels that are we'd like to see. We could pay another 30 bucks a month for a higher package. But ultimately, sometimes you just make the call that like, well, I like this channel, but I don't like it that much. It's not worth a lot of money to me. So the question is, when it comes to websites, how much are your favorite websites going to be worth? And how much are the websites that you have that haven't started yet that you want to see, that you may want to see, that may become a part of your life, the next game changer disruptor uh, in your life, the next big social network, the next Uber uh, you know, service that remakes an industry, you know, how are they going to get off the ground if everywhere they go, they're going to have to to pay every single local ISP a kickback, basically, to let them through. Uh, so I think it's a scary situation. Uh, obviously, we don't know how bad it's going to get. Uh, and, and a lot of people would say, I'm being alarmist, and, and ISPs haven't tried to do much of this yet. So we'll see, you know, so let's not uh, worry about it. But, you know, these things were protected under law, and now they're not. So the economic incentive is for the ISPs to charge money because that's how they make a profit. And this is a new revenue stream for them. And you're asking them just through the goodness of their heart not to open a new revenue stream. I think that's pretty naive. So, you know, we will, uh, we will wait and see uh, how this goes. But everybody should uh, be, be, you know, keeping up with the news. Obviously, uh, Congress has an opportunity to act also. They have 60 days to potentially disapprove of this uh, regulation change. Uh, they could also eventually pass their own law that would supersede whatever the FCC decides. Uh, and there are several state lawsuits underway that could limit this. So the uh, story's not over yet, but uh, the early, uh, but what happened this, this past week is definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. Now, I guess in the in the in, in the interest of, uh, of of making sure we've got our terminology right, uh, the law of net neutrality ended in 2007, and what was implemented in 2015 was an FCC guidance. Yeah, uh, just so every just so everybody knows, uh, the FCC did not repeal anything. The FCC cannot repeal anything because they cannot pass right. law. Um, they did discontinue guidance. Uh, guidance is not binding. If you need to know uh, how well that's working, ask T-Mobile, who has not been subject to following any of the uh, any of the guidance. Because but they, wasn't the guidance for landline only? Not originally. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was only for landline ISP, not for wireless. T-Mobile actually uh, fought with the FCC uh, because of the expense of running a wireless network, which is significantly higher than the expense of running a landline because you have to run the landline and the wireless. So totally understood. Um, and then they ended up putting in fast lanes uh, and advertising the heck out of it. It's where a lot of their business came from. Um, it is important if I, <laughs> I am in a rare minority who believes in the importance of, of net neutrality and is okay with what happened this week only because it, this is Congress's job, and then you need to tell your congressperson to get off their butt and do their job. Um, because we need the protections in place. I totally agree. 
the protections should totally be in place because we're going to get ourselves in trouble. But I don't think that five people who answer only to the president should be in charge of what the ISPs can and can't do because that is how you make a king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, obviously the best thing is if it would be law. But I mean, I think I think the danger here is that when you had something that was pretty much a common practice and was had some regulatory teeth behind it, if not a full mouth, let's say, <laughs> and then you say, hey, guess what? You know, we're pulling the police off the street. Do what you want. I think that's an invitation for an invitation for bad behavior. Uh, like it, I, it's totally possible. But uh, to cite an example that uh, went through the entire process in 2017, the FAA tried to create guidance that forced drone owners to register them. Uh, court said the FAA can't pass law. It went away. Congress said we can. They signed almost the exact same thing that the FAA had passed, and the president signed it this week. So <laughs> there is the possibility that Congress could get off their butts and uh, get their job done uh, in the 60 days that they have. And to be perfectly honest, if they want to, they could sign a, a six-month thing that is the FAA's guide or what FCC's guidance, uh, and then deal with it in that time period they could extend it tomorrow if they wanted to just for those who are listening which i th i think we need to harass the heck out of our congress people to uh to get off their butts and do their jobs so i certainly agree with i certainly <laughs> agree with that excellent um there is there is a website um that John Oliver set up. I don't remember what it is, um, but I, th I bet if you search uh, net neutrality John Oliver, you'll find the website. Uh, it links directly. You, I think you put in your zip code and it'll tell you who your Congress people are so you can contact them uh, <laughs> to make things as easy as possible. But Abram, obviously always appreciate this stuff. This is an important topic that you're absolutely right. Everybody should be following because this is uh, this could potentially get uh, messy. I think the way they look at it in very simple terms is it's a freedom of speech issue. Mm -hmm. You know that that that's what it is. It's not a it's not just a consumer issue. It's not so you pay a little more, somebody else pays a little more. It's a freedom of speech issue because theoretically. Your speech could be restricted, and the internet is a great center of, of free speech and exchange of ideas. And I don't think I don't think we want uh, a, a, about a dozen uh, large ISPs policing uh, deciding what does what is and is not acceptable speech. A absolutely, and my guess is any if if somebody tried to do that, any court case would uh, would step on that as. As a, a free, if they if they went after it from a constitutional standpoint, that would put that even if even if Congress didn't act, that would put a a, a legal period at the end of that sentence too. Um, I I'm not. I mean, look, I'm no lawyer, obviously, I'm, but I'm not so sure of that because if the claim is that they're not a common carrier and they don't have any obligations 
to carry data, then doesn't that mean they can discriminate uh, discriminate against any form of data that they want, whether the reason is freedom of speech or money? You know, I think I think they can. There, there have been some tests on this in the past. Um, AT and T was taken to court in the beginning of our show, just a couple of weeks into our show uh, in 2007, just before the net neutrality stuff came down, uh, because they censored the audio on a broadcast on their own website. And because I guess the musician, if I remember, obviously it was more than a decade ago. So I'm trying to remember a story I wrote almost 11 years ago. Um, the artist made some political statement and they muted it on the stream and the case went to court uh, from the artist, I think. And the end result was that the court said that since the site was owned by AT&T, they could censor their own content. It was their content on their site. They could choose what did and did not broadcast, but uh, that another carrier that it wasn't a carrier issue. If it had been a carrier issue, they would not have been able to block something from another provider. But it's an it was very early guidance. Um, obviously, we've seen some big changes in the courts since then, though we do have a uh, very uh, constitutionally minded uh, Supreme Court right now, for better or worse. So... <laughs> It scares people on the Second Amendment, but at least on the First Amendment, we we have a very constitutionally minded uh, Supreme Court. So if it got up that high, my guess is that would be the end of it. It's just a guess, though. But uh, it's definitely something everybody in the United States should be uh, keeping an eye on. Um, we want to know, obviously... It's super early. Nothing. The guidances are still in place through basically through the middle of February. Right. So uh, we want after that, we'll we'll want to know if anybody experiences any oddities in their carriers after that happens. So uh, I you wrote about this this week, right, Abram? Yes. So if you go to tomsguide.com, we have an article about the five freedoms that you could lose uh if if there's no more net neutrality at all uh so uh check it out uh and we'll obviously be keeping uh track of the story on tomsguide.com and it was a really good article i read it when you published it so as always abram uh thank you for bringing uh the topic to the attention of anybody who hasn't already been following it and again uh you should be following it because like we said, this is a very important topic. No doubt. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. You've got a little bit of time left to, to shop for the best gaming accessories to enhance both your PC and your console experience. Whether you're looking for 
uh, a gaming mouse, a gaming keyboard, uh, headphones for uh, with a microphone for gaming, or you're interested in the Razer phone, a phone specifically designed uh, to be a companion for your gaming experience. Razer has it all. And you can find out all of their current deals by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. So, uh, anytime a video game has uh, big successes, one thing you can guarantee is right around the corner is clones. It doesn't matter uh, what the game is. Uh, you know that within very short order, you're going to see clones of successful games. And it's even more of a situation when the game kind of breaches new territory, which is the case with the game Battlegrounds, uh, also known as PUBG, that is uh, uh, designed by a guy who goes by the name Player Underground, or Player Unknown, sorry. Um, it is the first really successful game to exist in the Battle Royale uh, genre, and it's definitely created the popularity around it. Uh, the the gamer, his, his real name is Brendan Green, uh, spoke with the BBC this week and um, complained that there were no uh, good copyright laws in place for video games and said, quote, there's no intellectual property protection in games. In movies and music, there's IP protection, and you can really look after your work. In gaming, that doesn't exist yet, and it's something that should be looked into. Now, what he's saying, and if, if you go and look at the whole conversation, what he's saying is that he doesn't want games that are uh, direct competitors to PUBG, uh, Battle Royale, you know, 100 player taking place in a big desert town. But the problem is, his assertion here is not uh, accurate. <laughs> Take, for example, in movies. Um, uh, Spider-Man created the modern superhero movie style. The, the cinematic style. Uh, but... Spider-Man's not the only superhero film shot in that style, but Marvel, DC, and more have all had had films that follow the same formula, but they take very different routes in music. If you only had one hip-hop artist or only one artist sang about love, that you'd have eight songs. Um, so, uh, I I think he may be generalizing gaming in a way that he's not generalizing the other arts, which is interesting, um, especially considering how he got started, which was in modifying other games, which if, if there were big protections in place and there was no reason for a publisher to make their games open, uh, he wouldn't exist either. So, it, it's kind of an interesting assertion. 
It's called hypocrisy. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, look, everything is derivative of something else. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new under the sun. And the more that you try to impose laws to try and to, you know, whether this sounds a lot like a pat, patent trolling, except it's the uh, the creative arts version. Uh-huh. You know, like, oh, someone invented the idea of a of a um, of a shopping button. You should patent that. <laughs> someone invented the idea of a phone that has round edges. Holy cow, no one should ever be able to do round edges again. I mean, there's such a thing as, first of all, there's culture and everything in culture builds on something else, uh-huh. right? Second of all, there's something called, it's obvious that other people might come up with the same idea. Sure. You don't get a monopoly on good ideas. Sure. You know, on, 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 on creative ideas. Sorry. You know, there's, I mean... I think processes that are really, really complicated, maybe they deserve some protection. Maybe not. I don't know. Because, you know, the more that you do this, the more you're creating, the more that you give legal protection to something like this, the more you're creating a fiefdom for someone. Uh Oh, look, you know, you got to, you came up with the idea first. Uh, or you went and you patented it first or, you know, copyrighted it first. Great. Now you have, are the only one to ever have a right to do it ever, you know? Uh, but when you look at creative works, first of all, how long has battleground been, battlegrounds been around? Um, well, it depends on how you want to consider it. Version 1.0 just released. It's been in beta for a year or so. And the concept, and the concept that he thinks is unique is what—that people are uh, multiplayers are fighting each other. Uh, the the battle royale uh, concept in particular, but even that is not because H one Z one was out well before battle uh, before uh, battlegrounds was even in beta. So the battle royale concept, meaning. Just forgive my complete ignorance um, here. Maybe some of the audience here doesn't know what it means ba- either. Good, Meaning good point. What? Uh, Battle Royale games uh, in, we'll use Battlegrounds in particular, a uh, hundred people put into a game together. Um, once you die, you're out. And last man standing wins. Okay, that's what it sounded like yeah. to me. So, so almost, first of all, almost nobody's going to win. Almost everybody's going to look like a chump. Uh. So first of all, Newsflash, there have been many movies with this concept in them, <laughs> including I, one that I like called Battle Royale. <laughs> that's a Japanese movie. Have you seen it? Uh, no, but that makes me happy. That came out like 15, 20 years ago. D- and and to be perfectly honest, did we not play... And the Hunger Games, also the same thing. Oh, yeah. And did we not play this this game as a kid and call it King of the Hill? Yeah, uh, yeah. Also, you know. Also, wasn't it Lord of the Flies? Uh, look, look. This is a very old concept. Uh huh. Holy cow! This is not exactly rocket science. <laughs> so you mean like two, like a hundred people enter, one person leaves? Wait, there's also the TV show Survivor. Every single thing <laughs> where there's an elimination process is basically inspiration for this game. Wow, I hadn't considered that. Basically, every reality competition was this. Thank you for that. Actually, everything where there could only be one winner. Yeah. 
So, you know, and, and oh, wait, but they're fighting. Well, you know what? There are many, many other things that have people fighting to the end. You know, the there's, Hunger Games there's, is one, but... There's a building there's, called the Coliseum. Yeah. So, or oh, yeah, right. So I think you're going to have to go back to ancient Rome and find who invented the Colosseum there and give them give them some give them the, the some money. I mean, like pay royalties to to Caesar. Pay, pay yeah, render unto Caesar for <laughs> for this. Okay, the, that's that's why the attempt to copyright any type of creative work. I mean, I get it. You don't want like. You don't want any fool to be able to go make a Star Trek movie and call it Star Trek. Sure. You don't want any fool to be able to go, uh, you know, create a Star their own Star sure. Wars movie. Yeah, you can't uh, without the permission of Lucasfilm. You can't but, use you can't use my name. You can't use my characters. You can't use my music. You can't use my worlds unless I tell you can. Sure. But you know, I'm good with that. Like, but you can use but, my style. Can you imagine if Surratt was the only one who was allowed to create pointillism? We wouldn't right. have those really cool modern things where, like, uh, a photo of a town is made up of photos of everybody who lives in the town. The, you know, cool, cool thing. You wouldn't have stuff like that today if Surratt in the freaking 1800s was the only one who was allowed to do pointillism. It, it's, it's, it's madness. <laughs> it's madness. Obviously, people don't like it because they don't like competition. He doesn't want competition. Right. Well, sorry, dude. You're just going to have to rise to the occasion and do and build a better mousetrap and do and do better to beat the competition. Absolutely. Obvious, obviously, he has created a better product because nobody even remembers H1Z1 now. Uh, obviously, what he created was a better implementation of the concept. That's great. But as soon as there stops being competition, he stops having a reason to make the game better. By by having other games in the genre, he has reason to to make it better, to to try and rise above the rest. Look at uh look at the uh the MOBA space. Uh Dota two came or Dota came out of uh like an edit of Warcraft three or some kind of craziness. And today, uh Dota 2 was released by Valve, uh, League of Legends, and uh, Heroes of the Storm all compete, but everybody who knows anything about this genre knows Dota 2, because they they weren't, I mean, they were kind of the first ones there, but I mean, League of Legends is, is the winner in the space, but these three compete, and they constantly make each other better, but there's hundreds of games. I was looking at a list of uh, 118 Free to play MOBAs earlier, and uh, but only these three really matter because they're the ones that rise above the top. Yes. So you know, if everyone who ever had an idea got to got to make sure no one else could do something similar, uh, there'd be no point in any in any of us getting out of bed in the morning. Right. You know, there's it's 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 ludicrous on its face. <laughs> Absolutely. Can. Can you imagine if uh, Plan 9 was the only alien invasion movie that was ever allowed to be made? I don't think it was the first, though. <laughs> no, probably, but, uh, probably not. But I'm, I'm but, pretty sure it wasn't what the if, first. But, but what if it was? What if he copyrighted it? Yeah, what if he patented it? What if, what if Blockbuster 
uh, was the only place allowed to rent movies. So a little thing called Netflix could never get started. Right. You know, like, sorry, you know, I'm sure Blockbuster wishes that they had 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 that right. (laughs) You know, they'd still be around doing a bad job. So like, you know, Uh. sorry, dude. Sorry, not sorry. Do stop (laughs) complaining and make a better game. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the thing. Continue continue to make the best of the genre and you won't have any problem with competitors. I- This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because, you know, that's how they what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to beyond Christmas, they've got a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they do some live events. The ones for 2017 are complete, and 2018 should be announced soon. But uh, the good news is you can go back and see the majority, if not all, of the live events on the website. And you can do that by going to f5live.tv slash with an X. I love that on the homepage today, they've got Santa on the ice cream bunny. Anyway, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> Let's talk about Mozilla. Um, Mo- Mozilla uh, is the manufacturer, the the developer of Firefox. For those who don't know, and um, over the last year in particular, they've really been emphasizing their um, their uh, privacy and security commitment. Which makes what happened this week all the more concerning and confusing because they uh, forced downloaded, they, they pushed a plugin to users' browsers that had a very generic title and the description read in all caps, my reality is different than yours and did not disclose what uh, permissions it had. Now, they did not say they were doing this. People just found this plugin in their browser and took to Reddit. uh, And nobody was happy about it. Everybody was concerned. Everybody thought that they had received a virus or some sort of spyware. If you don't have any idea what the permissions are, then how do you know what it's doing? Is it logging keystrokes? Is it saving passwords? Is it watching your entire browsing history and sending it off to China, who who knows? And with a description like my reality is different than yours, yikes. As it turns out, this plugin was a tie-in with uh, the Mr. Robot uh, hacker TV show, which is, is seemingly a smart tie-in if what you're trying to uh, uh, encourage is privacy and security. However... <laughs> Uh, what they ended up doing is really hurting their credibility in uh, in their users' uh, eyes. A lot of people have 
switched away from from Firefox because of this. Well, a lot of people is is subjective because I don't know that a lot of people is what uses Firefox, but you know what I mean. Um, people have uh, certainly been concerned. A lot of people had just switched over to Firefox because they just because they were testing it out. They just basically rewrote the entire browser from zero. Um, and it's their new quantum engine and people really wanted to see it in action if it's a company that's promoting privacy and security as opposed to uh, to Google who you know ask people how a Google wave worked out for their privacy um, you know if you're <laughs> if your name's already not great in privacy and then this other company comes out and says this is what we're focusing on maybe you go over there and give it a shot and then um, get kicked in the stomach it's yeah i mean it's a shame isn't there uh i'm trying to find this now isn't there market share like down the toilet already mm-hmm. i mean it's is it what it's like what's it now like 15 percent or something yeah something like that it's it's not good no for sure not and and then to come out and do this you know is not just as people are coming back, not great. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind of funny you think about um, Chrome is the leader, and you would think that Microsoft kind of has a built-in advantage because they preloaded in the operating system. So, but Firefox, yeah, they they got problems, and <laughs> to to do this. To do something insecure, that's not that's not very bright. And even uh, even if the thing is totally secure, which we don't know, even if it is, the 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 forced appearance, the lack of disclosure on permissions, and the very very vague description gives the appearance of a privacy concern because it was totally intentional. They, they built a relationship with Mr. Robot for an online, uh, uh, alternate reality game. And that's a great idea because a free browser has ha- always has trouble generating revenue. So building partnerships is tends to be how browsers stay alive. Uh, especially if you're Mozilla and it's, kind of the thing you have so building a relationships makes sense but wow to use to use a feature built into the browser that's designed for beta users to test new features and force a plugin down is such a bad idea uh, yeah so like net market share has firefox at 11.4 percent yeah that sounds about right right now you know so, yeah, that's that's not good. Wikimedia says only 8.9% of visitors use Firefox. So I remember a time when Firefox and Chrome were almost tied. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, this isn't good. I, you know, while I haven't uh, been in love with a lot of the things Fire- Mozilla has done, I, I really am glad to have them competing. Sure. So glad to uh, have, Good to have choice. That you know, I th- I think that might end up being the theme of tonight's show. It's good to have yeah. choice. 
Good to have choice. And I, I mean, you think about it, what's interesting about them too is that they have no other um, stakes in in the, uh, they have no really conflicting interests. Like Microsoft wants you to use Microsoft services. Right. Chrome wants you to use, Google wants you, Google wants you to use Google to have a Google account, use Google Docs, use Gmail, right. uh, use search for the Google. Uh, Firefox doesn't have a dog in that fight, really. Right. Like, you know, what's there? I mean, you have you can create an account to sync your stuff, but it's not. I mean, that's you know, that's pretty much what they do, right? Exactly. So, you know, they're really trying to do a nice thing for the public, basically give them a. A browser that's not coming from some kind of corporate giant. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, sad to say, they they haven't been they haven't been winning, and uh, this doesn't help them. No, it doesn't. And a loss of trust, like we talked about in the pilch point, right? A, a loss of trust on the internet does not make anything better for anybody. In the pilch point, we were talking about service providers. Here, we're talking about the browser. Either way, losing faith in or trust in the intentions of somebody you rely on on the internet is not a good thing for anybody. It makes makes the entire experience lesser. So, uh, whether or not they did, you know, there is a privacy concern here. You know, either way, isn't. It doesn't even matter if people perceive it to be a problem, then it, it is. So hopefully Firefox doesn't dip. I mean, eight, what did you say? Eight and a half percent on Wikimedia. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it doesn't dip on the main stats below 10% or below six on Wikimedia. That, that would be, I mean, there's a certain point where they throw in the towel and I hope that they don't get to that. Because we need more than big A and big B. We real <laughs> we we need somebody out there with with no like you said no dog in the race to uh, although although strangely I gotta give them some props for being having three times the percentage of edge so uh, you know edge comes preloaded on every new PC but Firefox still has three times their market share. Oh, huh. interesting stuff. Although, if you combine Edge and Internet Explorer, it's about the same as Firefox. So, it says Internet Explorer is about 8.5% and Edge is about 4.3%. So, wow. To 12.5% for Firefox. Oh, I guess it depends on what you're looking at. Anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of stats out there. You get, the, you get the gist of it. Chrome is by far and away the leader with depending on you know what you read between like f- 55 and 64% of uh, the market. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully hopefully we'll continue to have have Mozilla in the fight. This doesn't drive people away in droves. Uh, they've they've made an apology. They said uh, suffice it to say we've learned a good deal in the last 24 hours. Although we always have the best intentions, not everything we try works as we want. Um, that hopefully, hopefully that means that they're th- going to think harder before they do uh, marketing tie-ins in the future.
This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know you get free shipping, but you get a whole lot more than that. You get Amazon Prime Music, which has millions of tracks available to stream as part of your existing plan. There's Amazon Prime Video, which we've talked about a lot. There's a lot of interesting content there. Some uh, HBO uh, back shows. There's uh, original content. Then you've got Twitch Prime, if you're a Twitch subscriber, um, including uh, the people who might be watching us on Twitch right now. You get one free uh, subscription per month, which is pretty cool, a great way to help out the streamers that you really like. You get Prime Photos, which gives you unlimited photo storage, and a whole lot more. To find out about the benefits, and to get a 30-day free trial if you are not already, a uh, Prime subscriber, you can go to f5live.tv slash Amazon. So, I think anybody who knows Avram and I knows what topic is coming up now. Um, it's been rumored for a while. Several several bidders were in the uh, in the conversations, and as always... One lone survivor stood above the rest, and the Walt Disney Company has agreed to purchase 21st Century Fox for $52.4 billion in stock and another uh, $8 billion-ish in uh, debt that they will be taking on as part of the agreement. Uh, so... What does that mean? What does Disney get? What will Fox do uh, with what's left? Fox, essentially, the best way to think of it is Fox will be keeping things that are news and sports. So Fox News, Fox Business, uh, FS1, FS2, those will be remaining and spun into a new corporation just called Fox and um, all of the production and the majority of the uh, entertainment uh, content will be going to Disney. That includes uh, Fox's remaining um, Marvel interests, which means the X-Men can legally finally exist within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it means that uh, Disney is now in charge of The Simpsons. It means that Disney now owns Avatar, which they just spent a tremendous amount of money to build into Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, so they will at no point have to worry about what Mar uh, Universal is currently worrying about when their contract with Marvel expires and they have to retheme Marvel Island at Islands of Adventure. They also own... FX, FXX, um, and a couple of other of 21st Century Fox's uh, cable networks. So a lot of stuff is heading over to Disney. Uh, I, I saw, obviously, there's been a lot of reaction to this. Um, one of my favorite things that I've seen online in the last couple of days was um, that this technically makes uh, Frankenfurter the newest Disney princess. 
<laughs> which wait, you mean from Rocky Horror? Is that's owned by Twenty First Century Fox? Twenty yeah. Century Fox also. Yes. Yes, indeed. So uh, that that was probably my favorite realization <laughs> this week. Um, uh, obviously, this is a big deal um, as far as the majority of what Abram and I talk about on the show. One of the biggest places that this affects is it makes Disney the majority stakeholder in Hulu because Disney now owns 60% um, because ABC had 30, Fox had 30, uh, Comcast has 30, and uh, Viacom, Turner, Turner, yeah, Turner has 10%. So this means that Disney now owns 60%, Comcast has 30, and Turner has 10 which changes the direction for Hulu potentially because Disney spoke recently about their interest in uh, moving all of Disney's content under one streaming umbrella, pulling it from Amazon, pulling it from Netflix. Um, Well, now they pretty well own Hulu. Maybe that's where they go. Uh, There's a lot of content that has shown up there in the last couple of weeks already uh, from Disney that has been new. So maybe that's the way they end up going. Maybe they talk Comcast and Turner out of their their shares. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it's one of the two streaming services they wanted to start was for Disney stuff. Well, they now own the infrastructure to do it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that would, I mean, from a consumer perspective, I think I would rather that Hulu became the, the Disney place than have yet another uh, service. Yeah. Although, who knows? I mean, they may look at it as, hey, we can build another service. Uh, but, but they definitely have the streaming know-how, at the very least, because yeah. they now have 60% of Hulu. They now have a pool of technology and people that might help them get to their goal easier, even if they don't incorporate it into Hulu. I think the question is, what does Disney not own right now? Ver- Netflix. <laughs> uh, that's what at this point. What, it seems what, like that's about it. What movie franchises? What TV franchises? What IP do they not own? Um, they technically don't own Spider-Man. <laughs> that that no, technically they, they is own- still Sony. Okay, so uh, they don't own Star Trek. Sure, that's CBS. <laughs> CBS Paramount. Do they own Harry Potter? They Uh, have the Wizarding World thing, but I don't know. But that's I think that's 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 at Universal. Oh, okay. So I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's 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 like getting hard these days to think of something that's not Disney. Uh huh. They don't own DC Comics. You know. Yeah, they don't own DC. They don't own uh, Dark Horse. Um, but they they do own now own I think uh. 30% 30% of uh, Sky Television in Europe <laughs> because cause Rupert Murdoch used to own 30% of that. Um, they they own National Geographic <laughs> because, because uh, Fox bought that a year and a half or so ago. So Disney now owns Nat Geo, <laughs> which is bizarre. You know, uh, on a related, you know, current event, I was reading today that uh, 
I for, you know, I wasn't really keeping track of how much they had paid at the time, but Disney only paid like four billion dollars for Star for Lucasfilm. Uh huh. They've already, I think, made it back. Yeah, almost certainly. You know, so that was talk about a great investment. You yeah, know? that was a. I remember when that happened and the conversation that took place on the show because none of us could believe the number when we were like, "Wait, how much did they pay? What?" Does he have some sort of like gambling losses that we don't know about? Why, why did they agree to that number? Is this yeah, not I, is this not the guy who convinced Paramount or whoever? Maybe it was Disney convinced them that uh that it was going to be such a flop that he should keep the merchandising rights. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you only get the sense. You get the sense. I got the sense that like George Lucas just wanted out, yeah, or something at that point. Uh, you know, considering the quality of the prequels, maybe that was a good thing. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think Disney's actually, you know, done a done a better job. Uh, no spoilers for this uh, for Last Jedi, but it, I thought it was a good movie, uh, and, and so um, you know. Maybe Disney can do better for uh, for the X Men, and they can do better for some of these other things. Uh, it would be nice to have the X Men uh, fall under the MCU, because but because we have X Men who were supposed to be near founding members of the Avengers that are still missing, just like Spider Man, who was a founding member and just appeared. Anyway, yes, yeah. But, uh, you know, so I guess good for them. I mean, at a certain point, you have to wonder if there's going to be anything that's not owned by Disney. But, uh, you know, this seems like probably a good move for Disney. I mean, the amount that they're paying is a lot. Probably a good move for Disney. Definitely a good move for fans who want to see, you know, want their Marvel Universe whole. Uh, We're certainly getting closer. You know, well, I mean, what what don't they have? I mean, they have the agreement to do Spider-Man. Um, Sony still has um, Fantastic Four and uh, Silver Surfer. I thought Fantastic Four was Fox. Okay, then it's not that. They have... <laughs> I can never remember which one's which. Uh, Fox had two big ones and Sony had two big ones. And I, don't... I don't know what the other big one is because... Fox, ha- I think Fox has both Fantastic Four and X Men. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Um, um, I guess, I guess while I look this up, uh, it's important to note that um, the CEO of um, of Disney, Bob Iger, was supposed to be retiring uh, in 2019. One of Rupert Murdoch's requirements for um, for the sale was that he stay on through 2021, uh, specifically uh, to oversee this transa- transition because it won't be a small transition. Um, it actually looks like Sony only has Spider-Man left. So, yeah, that leaves only Spider-Man out and they have an agreement on it. So that's good. So anyway, um, so Iger will be staying with Disney for another two years uh, as CEO, and uh, 
that'll maintain consistency at the helm as everything shifts out from under them. So that's probably a good move with with such a massive acquisition. Uh, I mean, it from from Nat Geo to Sky Television to uh, the the Simpsons. They you know they're really picking up a lot of stuff with this and having some some steadiness at the helm is probably a good idea. So um, if for whatever reason uh, the acquisition is not approved by the FTC or whoever else is involved in this justice department, whoever else, um, then just like uh, T-Mobile got to keep part of AT&T's something like they got a, a thing it, when they didn't get approved for their buyout. Um, in this case, Disney gets to keep Sky either way. Not Hulu, but Sky either way. I think Fox just wants out of that. <laughs> so, um, so either way, Disney gets something out of their trouble. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to watch, like Avram said. It'll be interesting to see how this goes and how they incorporate some of this stuff, especially with all of a sudden picking up content uh, from 21st Century Fox television, but not necessarily picking up the network because they don't get Fox or your local Fox affiliate, but they get a bunch of the content that currently airs on it and with Fox Corporation switching to a news and sports focus, are they going to suddenly have content that doesn't have a home? And will we see things like The Simpsons go from from Fox for 30 years over to ABC or something? We don't know. There's There are a lot of questions still to be answered here. And it's still early. There's a lot of regulations, uh, regulatory approval in here. And with the AT&T Time Warner deal already uh, gumming up the works in, in uh, Washington, D.C., it's possible that this will be a bit of a delay. So I guess we will see. I almost just hit the wrong music. Uh, <laughs> that is our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live viewers. If you were unable to join us live, that is all right. You can always subscribe by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you can see all of our series, these two and all of our other ones as well. Um, our special events feed is going to be active here in just a couple of weeks with content from CES. We will also have the live show at CES this year. So uh, all of that content can easily be found at uh, plugkidslive.com CES. There will be all of our 2018 content, including the live stream to make things easy. Um, next week, like we said, uh, we won't be on Sunday night. Uh, we are likely going to be Friday night the uh, 22nd if that does not work out for whatever reason we will be on the 26th and next week we will announce what the next week looks like as well uh, because 
we simply don't know until we get closer uh, what it'll look like. And then after that, we will be live from Las Vegas. So only two more shows before CES. Holy cow, that's a crazy sentence to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> anyway, on uh, behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.